and we were yeah self-navigating and it was a real mix sometimes we were on like motorways in Romania kind of dodging trucks and sometimes we were popping up in you know mountain um you know top of like black ski runs in Montenegro yeah that community was a big part of it and we wanted to build I guess a brown world that was rooted in that um and the reason it's called Tribe is that tiring physically obviously you do completely switch off I often find myself when I come back like so refreshed Thanks for joining me, Rose Harvey, and me, Steph McCall, for Five Miles Easy. The podcast where we go behind the scenes on the highs, lows and learnings of our running journeys. And bring you conversations to inspire, motivate and get you one step closer to your running goals. So let's lace up for Five Five Miles Miles Easy. Welcome back to the show. On this week's episode, we are joined by a man who quit his job as a corporate lawyer at the age of 27 to walk across West Africa. And that was just the start of Rob Martineau's epic adventures. He completed the famous Marathon de Sable and then went on to compete a 1,000 mile journey across Europe, where ultra running has now become not just his life, but his job as well. Alongside running, Rob also founded the Tribe Freedom Foundation, which puts on multi-day ultramarathons all over the world and raises money to fight human trafficking and modern slavery in the process. Now, you may also recognise the name Tribe from these rather delicious natural energy bars that they make. Steph, I'm so excited to have Rob on the show today. Now, I first met Rob when back when I was working as a corporate lawyer and I used to go to the tribe tempo evenings on a Tuesday after work and I remember turning up and I just thought it was so cool that Rob had quit his job as a lawyer to just do something in running take on these incredible adventures and just do something he really loves and of course at the time I had no idea that I would take a similar route but not running quite as far so I just can't wait to find out all about the adventures that Rob has had since those days. What was that like four years ago? Yeah, no, me neither. But can we just backtrack? Because am I right in thinking that when you did some of those runs back in the day, that's how you met Charlie? Yes, it Your is. Your fiancé. So, yeah, <laughs> Charlie, my fiancé. We met at, it was actually one of tribes. They collaborate on events. So Charlie, my fiancé, has... A healthy ice cream company oppo and oppo and tribe collaborated and did like a run and picnic in i think it was primrose hill um and that is where charlie and i met and at the time charlie had his brother's puppy with him as well Aww. so he had ice cream and a puppy and that won your heart yeah over. <laughs> that was that was me sold so that it. was uh yeah i think that just really gives credit to tribe's awesome community Yeah, that's so cool. Um, But yeah, on the subject of ultras, I'm really fascinated to find out more because I'm kind of going back and forth in my head about like what's next for me to aim for and ultras have just kind of always played on my mind as, oh, I'm just fascinated to find out a bit more, like do I want to do one? Mm. I don't know. It really is something that's just taken off so much over the last few years and Mm. it does seem to be a very different kind of running to our like marathon training in that it's you know it really is like a community Mm. and they just always look so fun and in beautiful places and I can totally see the appeal yeah for sure and then from ultras to something a bit shorter uh 
I think so those listeners that uh have been tuning in every week may remember that we were talking about doing a cross country a few weeks ago and you said you were doing it too so did you end up doing a cross country rose <laughs> <laughs> i knew this was going to go okay so let's start with the positives you did the cross country race i did it how did it go <laughs> it was um it was fun but it's for like one of those runner type of funs you know where it's like type b fun Type B yeah. fun, very much so. It was very painful. I'm not mm. used to cross country anymore. I used to do a lot of cross country a few years ago. And I think like the muscles that you use, you're just conditioned to that sort of terrain, running up hills, running through mud. And I'm not used to that at all anymore now that I basically just run yeah. on the road. So it did was, you wear spikes? I wore spikes. I had my spikes from like five years ago or something. So did that not destroy your calves? No, they felt okay, and you definitely needed spikes. I would have, I would have been flat on my face if I didn't wear spikes. So I'm glad I wore them, but it was painful, and yeah, it felt like as in the race went well. I felt no pressure, but interestingly, I actually had a psychology session this week and spoke a bit about the cross country race. Like had fun with mm. it, you know. Um, I'm feeling fit at the moment, so it kind of went well, but it was tough because. I don't train for cross country. Um, But I did a bit of a throwaway comment in that session where I said, uh, like just, it was in the middle of a sentence. I said, yeah, I don't really identify as a cross country runner anymore. So I didn't really feel pressure. And I was going on, um, carrying on with what I was saying. But my psychologist butted in later on and said, there was something you said earlier that I picked up on. And it was that you said, I don't identify as a cross country runner anymore. And we started then going into identity and how mm. that can kind of create pressure, the pressure that you put on yourself rather than external pressure. And a lot of what we've spoken about is I feel like I can perform really well with external pressure because I want to, it's in human nature, you want to impress and you want to do well yeah. for others. Um, whereas internal pressure is very personal and Actually, we spoke about if you identify as something, then you're putting more pressure on yourself because now maybe I identify as a marathon runner. So when it comes to the mm. marathon, you're like, now I need it. Like it, it matters it to matters you. It matters more. Yeah, that's so interesting. Whereas I didn't identify as a cross-country runner, so I just had fun with it. Yeah, that's so, so interesting. Which that. I feel like has happened in some other races for you. Yeah. Like, you know, like that, like your really good half marathon that you did and won Oxford half. Mm. And I mean, obviously, I guess you identify a bit more as a half marathon runner, but it wasn't your A goal and you weren't going into it being yeah. like, I'm a half marathon runner. Yeah. So that's so interesting. But like identity is just a label. It doesn't actually mean that's what you are. Yeah. So it's how do we shift that? Because... I'm not just a marathon runner, am I? Like, there's so many aspects to your life. You, yeah, you you're about, a runner. Like, the you're pizza just, yeah. where you've got loads of slices and you're a runner, you're a friend, you're this, you're that. And actually mm. you can kind of shift where you place that identity. So I found that really interesting. Yeah, that's such an interesting point. Yeah. But back to why did you not do the cross country? <laughs> And every race we talk about that you're about to do seems like something happens. I know, I need to stop jinxing it. So a bit, a little bit along the same theme as the other race I didn't end up doing. <laughs> Starts with the sign up, which is really becoming an issue for me. <laughs> um, but this was slightly different in that I went to sign up and 
got my admin in order, remembered to do it, which is a, which is a great start for me. And I, the cross country, I was running for my club. Well, this was the plan anyway, Clapham Chasers. So I went to sign up and realized I couldn't because I was no longer a club member. Now I'd forgotten to pay my annual fee, which I have to say in my defense, I dug out the email and it was this one, I got one email Mm. that looked very much like junk. So obviously I ignored it. And anyway, I've realized I've forgotten to pay my 20 pound membership fee. So I did that. And then it took a few days to process. And so by that time, I couldn't enter. But in the meantime, I went on to the club Facebook group thinking, okay, I've now paid my fee. Like, I'm sure they will let me represent the club for cross country. Could I get onto the Facebook group? Deleted. <laughs> so, brutal. so brutal. Yeah. I and- feel like, especially when you're the best female in the whole club, maybe you. I mean, not to be elitist or anything, but you want to like keep your best runners, right? To represent you know the what? club. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I should get special treatment for being fast. I but do. I have been a member for seven and a half <laughs> years. Every podcast I do, every interview, I big up chasers. I've been saying for the last two months I run for Clapham Chasers. Rubbish because they kicked me out. <laughs> you weren't a member. <laughs> but oh, the God. worst bit was I finally got re-accepted onto the Facebook group after a few days by the very efficient admin team, I have to say. I mean, great admin chasers, well done. Um, anyway, got back onto the Facebook group and I saw these comments about me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so... Obviously, after Chicago, there were lots of lovely people who had posted on the group saying, you know, Rose has run 223 at Chicago and everything. And then the admin team chipped up. Um, this would be a club record, but Rose is no longer a member. And so it will not count. Boo. I got publicly <laughs> booed on the thousand strong oh my God, that is- member group. <laughs> and I saw these comments and nearly died. And I was like, I cannot believe I got booed. So anyway, I'm... You should, have you commented on that post? Again. I'd comment on it now you're back in. <laughs> like, thank I actually, you. <laughs> I did just say for the avoidance of doubt, I did not mean to leave. Yeah. But anyway, as a result, I, I couldn't get into the cross country. Um, but I am now re-accepted as a member of Chasers. Welcome back. I slightly terrifyingly bought my Christmas party tickets and I'm just hoping I don't get egged. Yeah. So for any chasers listening, I'm a member. I never meant to leave. Please don't egg me at the Christmas party. Thank you. That is hilarious. Well, I'm going to the party too. So I am going to have my camera ready just in case. Um, But anyway, maybe in in the next cross country, I'll actually be able to do it. I have to dig out my spine. Yeah, I'm going to drag you along. (laughs) Right. Anyway, back to ultras. Shall we get Rob on the show and find out? all about his adventures let's do it thank you so much rob for coming on five miles easy today can't wait to find out all about the adventures you've been on um, but the first question we ask all our guests is what is your why when it comes to running i uh, really well first up thanks so much for having me um it's lovely to be here and um yeah really excited for the conversation my why for running i was thinking i've got so many whys for running i find it hard to distill into one but i think thinking back to when i started running and i was working at a large law firm in london i'd often be finishing work at midnight 1am and i'd 
run home from work along the river um, really late at night. And it was the only time during the day where I really felt at ease. And I got home and I felt euphoric, but I'd have that moment afterwards. And for me, I run every day and it's all about finding that space around everything else where I just feel at ease, completely at peace. Um, And I think that's the number one reason I still run. I can so relate to that because that literally used to be me as well. (laughs) And I used to just, I I needed that run, even if it was like 1am, just to cut off from the day. So I can so relate to that. And of course, when we first met, you had already quit your job as a corporate lawyer, which I thought was so cool. (laughs) Um, But why did you quit? Just talk us through that. What made you kind of just quit this big corporate job to pursue this life a very different life of adventure i think i'd been really fortunate in my life um in some ways i'd basically fallen into being a lawyer and obviously that's a kind of privileged position to be in but i'd um before i started work at a law firm i'd um been given a training contract so the law firm had kind of funded me through and um the credit crunch then happened and so the law firm said to all of us who are about to start um you can take a year off and have some money to do it because we want to stagger the people coming in and so i suddenly ended up in this yeah, really unique position where i had financial security i suppose and i had a job at the end um anyway i bought a bike and a flight to Cape Town. And I then spent that year cycling all the way up through East Africa. So um, up through kind of Ethiopia, Sudan, into the Middle East, across Syria, and in the end to Istanbul. And it was this, I was 24 at the time, but it was this amazing experience for me. I'd never really done anything on my own like that before. And I found it, sounds a bit pretentious, but quite a transformational experience. It really showed me that I could go off and do different things. And I spent more or less nine months living in this little tent each day um, cycling and that really set me on a different path and although after that journey I went to the law firm to do because I was contractually obliged but also to kind of finish what I'd started it it sort of lit something else in me and I think from that moment I was every week I was thinking what can I be doing that's pushing myself into more adventurous situations how can I be getting out more and doing doing cool stuff and at around that time, I became friends with Tom and Guy, who I then set up Tribe with, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that. But we started doing all these runs together, whether it was weekends up in the Lake District, um, fell running, Marathon de Saab, all these kind of things. And um, and yeah, it really set me on a different path. I love how casually you just mentioned Marathon de Saab, like it's just a run on on the weekend. But how, so how did you get into running in the first place you said you were kind of seeking that adventure but what led you to going on these adventures and doing longer distances I think for me adventure is a great word it was all about adventure and um the outdoors Uh, what after I'd sort of discovered that side of running it became about also I suppose finding that space but initially I'd never been a runner at school I didn't I I played sport but I never I never ran at all. I'd never been kind of into it. And then Guy, who I set Tribe up with, had always been really intrigued by Marathon de Saab. And he was telling me about it and was like, we should all do it. And at that stage, yeah, I'd never done any running, but he showed me these pictures of the desert. And it 
it just seemed like this amazing thing. So I actually started running, did my first run to start training for Marathon de Saab. So I'd kind of never <laughs> run. And then we had whatever. Ease yourself six in. Six or nine months. Well, there's a lot more walking that goes on in Marathon de Saab than people talk about. Although beforehand, I didn't know that. But, um, but yeah, so it became about, initially, it was about trying to access adventure and have these amazing yeah experiences and then running has become something different for me over time but at the start it was just about that like being able to do cool stuff and I love the idea of going A to B on foot um, that's insane and then we know after so after Marathon de Saab which is advertised as the toughest foot race on earth and you can tell us whether you think it is or not <laughs> but after that you then decided to do a thousand mile run across Europe so tell us about Tell us about what that was like, how that came about, and and was it harder than Marathon de Saab? <laughs> think, um, so that that run after Marathon de Saab, Tom Guy and I, um, I suppose got back got back from that, and we're obviously working our, our normal jobs, and I suppose we thought, what next? And Tom actually had the idea, and the idea began as could we run a thousand miles in 30 days so it began as i guess a like personal challenge um and we thought oh that'd be an amazing adventure um to do and an amazing thing to try to do um how many miles is that a day so it was about 35 miles a day um okay. it varied yeah some days we'd run like 20 some days we'd run like 55 60 um <sighs> but we began sort of looking for a route um and we wanted it to be as big an adventure as possible and we ended up plotting a route that went from Odessa in the Ukraine to Dubrovnik in Croatia and it crossed kind of nine countries in southeastern Europe and over some really amazing across the Balkans like some really amazing mountains um, but a big part of that project was about fundraising for a charity so Tom had worked um, in a social justice organization before that had been involved with modern slavery as an issue and he met this charity that was trying to build the first home in the UK that provided dedicated care to child trafficking victims anyway we left that um, meeting with them really kind of motivated to try to help them build the home and it was at that stage that the run kind of became more from this kind of personal challenge into something a bit more um, and we thought right if we can get more people to run with us we're going to be able to raise a lot more money and have a lot more impact so we kind of built a very simple website we published our route online and we sent it to a few mates and we said you know would anyone like to come for like you can join for as little as a day um, you know a week we'll do the whole thing with us and it was a really strange but cool thing i suppose watching it kind of take off because we had a few mates suddenly became kind of 10 of us and then they sent it out to more people some kind of blogs picked it up then the evening standard picked it up and it suddenly was 50 people and it gradually morphed into this kind of 250 person tribe of sort of forest gump tribe of runners and it was um it was a really amazing trip and we i mean it's very different saying at marathon the saab and that we'd organized the whole thing it was much more i guess like guerrilla style like we were carrying everything on our backs so we had like bivy bags um sleeping bags all that we were camping um and we were yeah self-navigating and it was a real mix sometimes we were on like motorways in romania kind of dodging trucks and sometimes we were popping up in you know mountain um you know top of like black ski runs in montenegro and it was a real it was oh, a real wow. adventure um, but it was <laughs> so cool a great project or a powerful project because of the people that joined it yeah. and actually that ending with 250 runners in Dubrovnik was a really amazing thing and sort of seeing that community of runners um, come together. It's 
sponsor of this episode, EcoSwash. Now, Steph, I don't know about you, but the one thing I don't like about marathon training is the washing. So much washing. Two runs a day, sometimes a gym session in there too. That is a lot of sports kit, a lot of laundry detergent, and with those little plastic pods, a lot of plastic too, which can't be great for the environment. You need to try EcoSwash. They've created revolutionary plant-based laundry sheets specifically designed to clean activewear. Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. It's also 100% animal cruelty free and it's plastic free and it smells so fresh. I need this in my life. Where can I buy it? That's the other great thing about EcoSwash. You don't have to worry about the hassle of running to the shops because it arrives straight through your letterbox. Okay, sign me up. Okay, head to ecoswash.co.uk and buy your box today. What were like what were the coolest things you saw on that trip because you must you obviously just saw so much in a thousand miles and across some quite kind of unknown areas and you didn't exactly choose a tourist route so what were like the most amazing things you saw and it was a very special kind of one of the things i always have done well been lucky to do through my life some like long journeys on foot and on bike cycling and one of the things i really like is you kind of have a much more natural interaction with people along the way it's quite mm. a natural thing to like arrive in a village and say you know we've walked from the last place we've run from the last place is it all right if we set our tents here and people often give you food and you're kind of a bit of a novelty and it creates a really nice dynamic so i certainly say through that journey the most sort of special thing was that interaction we were in quite remote bits of you know ukraine and you'd arrive in a village and people be like right let's get the vodka out and come and sleep here and it was really it was really special that side of it and i think that would be the first thing and the second thing definitely that bit of montenegro kosovo um bosnia was was really special in terms of um yeah the mountains and the, the stuff you see we had and we're looking at your your dog there we remember when we were quite a big group we mm-hmm. um there's these amazing mountain dogs over there and we had a we set off from this camp and by that stage people were in kind of different pace groups i mean not in a structured way but people fell into their own groups and we were running 35 miles yeah sorry from montenegro into bosnia and this dog had gone with a fast group and then dropped back and so no one kind of knew the dog was with them the whole time we arrived in the next um village and the dog was still with us <laughs> oh, <laughs> way, i love that 35 miles and i remember calling back we called the camp we'd been staying at and they were like yeah, it's not our dog we don't know whose oh. dog it is so then the <laughs> dog thing came with us the next day as well it was really did uh, anyone take him home someone tried to, it was really good so we were out of i mean uk was in the eu then but bosnia where we were wasn't and um that yeah and so we couldn't get it back just people tried to adopt it but the yeah. admin was too too much oh. <laughs> so it stayed and it got we That's settled amazing. it in the in the last town we were in in, in bosnia but um but no, it was a really amazing adventure yeah oh, well i hope it's now found some new runners just yeah. just goes along with any runners on that path very fit dog yeah. <laughs> sounds like such an incredible experience and you mentioned the community that kind of formed as part of that and you also used the word tribe when you said that did, did that whole experience spark the idea of then creating this tribe and start that journey yeah 100 percent. so big i think and i guess for those um who don't know so tribe is um a nutrition company so we make energy bars protein bars um uh, protein breakfasts but we really grew out of 
run for love and i think there were three things that came out of that run that have kind of driven tribe you know every day since and i, I guess the first thing was when we were running we were really frustrated as i guess the like amateur runners with the energy and protein products that were marketed to us i mean it was quite different then this is eight nine years ago but it was stuff that was kind of full of sugar full of chemicals it was weird colored stuff you know you're kind of looking at like gels lucas i don't know all that kind of stuff yeah. it wasn't we wanted to create a, a natural product basically just like a, a natural energy bar great taste energy bar um to fuel us and so that was the first thing i that came from from run for love the second thing was yeah that community was a big part of it and we wanted to build i guess a brand world that was rooted in that um, and the reason it's called Tribe is that. And from day one, we were putting on tons of, of running events. Um, and a big part of yeah, the company and our passion was bringing people together to, to run together. And we've put on five Run for Love since um, that first one. So taking communities of runners out on these great adventures. We have Run Club in London. We've got, so there's lots of different um, elements of, 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 I guess, the community. And they all came from that. I, yeah, seeing how cool it was that original group coming together. And I suppose the final element is the social impact. That run was all around supporting child trafficking victims. We've since set up our own charity, Tribe Freedom Foundation, which does work supporting human trafficking survivors and um, trying to prevent it from ha happening. And all of the, the bigger runs we put on uh, around fundraising for that cause um, and a portion of product sales goes into that. So it's a big part of kind of what we do. And that all, again, goes back to that original run for love. So it's definitely was in lots of ways um, I guess the spark for tribe and I suppose also us three kind of working together because we'd although that was just a, in a sense a side hustle like it was something we were uh, doing outside our jobs it was kind of an entrepreneurial thing and that we were trying to build a community and even it's like designing a logo you know all that stuff and that was really fun and when you're well working at a law firm it's quite different and like less fun so we definitely saw that got quite inspired by the idea of trying to kind of build something gosh it's amazing how much has just come out of that first adventure you know you've now got like some very different parts to your business the nutrition side the community the charity and it all just came out of that one adventure but when you you were obviously working before you went on the first run for love. Did you ever think about going back to law afterwards? Or was it, once you got on that journey, was it like, I'm not going back to the corporate life? I think, uh, for me, I really wanted to find, an, uh, I suppose, some, something else. Um, and I think mm. tri Run Relatable. for Love and Tribe, you know, they've been like amazing, you know, an amazing adventure. I feel really... You know, really lucky to work in the, in this kind of world that we're the brands we team up with the kind of events we've put on all the runners we meet it's really fun you know we, you guys are in this world as well yeah. it's a fun <laughs> it's a fun world of people who are really like passionate about what they do yeah. and ultimately you're interacting with a, uh, an element of people's lives that they love so people are mm. buying our products and we're sort of helping fuel the whether it's their running their cycling it's something that they're really passionate about and it's something that they um is a great part of their day and i like being involved in like a good part of people's day was a bit different as a lawyer <laughs> <laughs> you're also reaching non-runners as well because your products obviously sold in uh, grocery stores so mm. people are just buying them anyway and seeing it and maybe they can find out more 
through the interest in that. Of course. And a big part of the proposition is, yeah, we say sort of natural plant energy for active lives. So it's, it's trying to reach into people's sort of wider days and give them a kind of a better for you alternative. And so no, a big, yeah, a big part of our kind of, from a kind of commercial perspective is, yeah, obviously as well growing through. With the, uh, with the community bit, I can so remember that because when I when I used to come along to the tribe tempos and mm. the community was just always such a fun it was such a fun energy and everyone just loved being there loved doing the sessions and I remember coming to the where it was when you were actually planning I think the first run for love <laughs> and it just sounded absolutely nuts <laughs> I was like there's no way I could ever do that <laughs> but it yeah it just was it really struck me as amazing that you were doing something that it was just such a passion and such a hobby and gone into that. So yeah, it's, it was really cool to see that from, from my perspective as still being in that corporate world. And I was thinking, Oh yeah, maybe I could do that. Never did I dream that I actually would end up doing it. We see, I mean, one of the things I love is looking back to some of the runners who, you know, came right back in the day, five, six years ago and what they've gone on to, I mean, you're definitely one in terms of obviously what you, you know, you've achieved is incredible. Not that Tribe has, would say has, has had, had anything to do with that, but definitely we see a lot like runners who came on the first, did a couple of days of the first or second run for love, who then, whether it's like UTMB, Bob Grahams, all of these incredible kind of adventures that they've gone on to do and, um, and events that they've gone on to do. And it's really inspiring seeing how running's become such a big part of their lives in some certain cases and then what it's allowed them to go on and do. Because running can be an amazing channel, I think, for those kind of mm, things. Yeah, definitely. Um, can you tell us more about the ultras that you put on? Uh, like, how far are they? Where do they take place? Do runners who take part in them, do they have to do the whole distance? How does it all work? Yeah, it's a great question. So the idea of, of Run for Love is I mean, it's to bring together a community of people, first and foremost. So we do say it's not a race, it's an adventure. Um, and the idea is we go as a tribe. Um, there's normally between kind of 60 and 100 people. So like small enough that you're kind of part of a, of a team. Um, and we'd normally take people somewhere very beautiful. So the last one was in September. It was in northern Sweden. And so the idea is a big part of like getting out in nature. Every night we're camping together. Like we're beneath the kind of northern lights in Sweden, which is really special. Um, and it's over uh, five days. So the multi-stage element I think is really important because you're able to kind of bond together. And it creates a really kind of special dynamic. A lot of the community feel is in the kind of camps each night. Um, and distance wise it would normally be about 250 kilometers um so you'd be running normally be one long day of like 70 or 80k but the other days are a little over a marathon a, a day um so it's a really hard challenge um but it's designed to be push the very strongest runner but also be accessible for as an entry point to ultra running and multi-stage running and we'd often have quite a lot of newbies on it um and a big part of uh, i suppose the journey is the training before as well so we would normally people would sign up seven eight months before not always but and they would then have we do like training weekends in the lake districts um taking people out um on on trails and helping again to build that kind of community feel and people afterwards 
you often hear people say it's just like a really unique um it's hard to describe why this is really unique event the feel and the kind of community element of it is is really special um and then there's a big part of it is everyone is collectively trying to make this effort for the charity as well so you have that kind of that kind of bonding element um and the next one we're doing is so the ones we've done so far have been in well the first one was southeastern europe the second one was actually in um in bosnia and croatia um the third one was in the azores fourth one in croatia the fifth one in um, northern sweden the next one's going to be in southern africa um so we've got a really amazing course um we're releasing the precise uh location in in a week or so but it's um it's going to be really special um and and yeah amazing and when so when will that one be so that'll be in november next year um okay in a year's time um and yeah. <laughs> that sounds and where, where do you stay on these things? Do you do you camp? Do you stay in nice places? Because I can imagine after. I mean, <laughs> it sounds when you say it's accessible, it's incredible that people, you know, do this as newbies and take on these amazing distances, which just sounds brutal. But I feel like I would need a really comfy bed at the end of each day <laughs> to get through that. We tend to, so it is camping and they're communal tents. So they will be like eight man tents and um, normally in really beautiful locations. So in Sweden, every, they're on the coast or by lakes each night. So everyone come in, you could swim. Um, but the idea is we are like out there, like it's yeah. boiling the bag food. Um, everyone sort of has their own and like campfires. And But then we'd normally after the long day we try and throw in a nice hotel mm, <laughs> so everyone's nice. kind of uh by the long days normally on the fourth day so after like th- three or four nights camping and a lot of running so um, you carrying all your stuff with you or someone no the, that side of it is um so we we the, the kind of logistics team um do that so it's just a day yeah. pack that has your kind of obligatory tribe bars and uh and water and stuff for the day and then there's checkpoints every um 10k or so so it's supported in that sense um but it just must be so kind of you just see so much nature and yeah just spending five days completely in nature that sounds incredible well definitely i find those uh, events like although they're tiring physically obviously you do completely switch off i often find myself when i come back like so refreshed because you've been in this bubble in a way you're you're with this amazing group of people you're in this amazing sort of nature and all you're focused on every single single part of you is focused on you know reaching the end each day and there's nothing really outside of that trail in a way um so it's a really yeah wonderful thing in terms of i think switching off and kind of resetting yeah i can imagine i mean going back to what you said about you know your wife running and getting that mental cut off from the day I mean that's like 40 minutes but you're still running through the streets of London I can just imagine you know five days of doing that solidly in beautiful nature must be such a reset no 100 percent yeah and the people so people who come on this you said it's accessible but how I mean presumably you've got to have some ultra experience or you know if you're if if you've got someone who's running 5k at the moment how do you build up to that what kind of level do you need to get to to attempt something like one of the run for loves and could someone say they they're listening to this and they know the next events next november is that enough time from now till then to build up to that i mean i would say 100 <laughs> percent. i always say say that i think often the hardest thing with something like this is 
signing up in, in some ways and making not signing up and making the mental commitment to be like yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna um you know put my heart and soul into it and and get get to the start because actually anyone can can do can do it um obviously it's demanding in terms of you know the physical challenge on the on the run but I really believe we are in a sense born to run and there everyone can can get there um I think it's about being I suppose realistic in a sense do you do you want to do you want to do you want to do it and obviously there are sacrifices that come with that in terms of time and and energy and obviously if you're putting time and energy into running that's being taken from some somewhere else but I don't think that there's any kind of limitation that any person would have that means they couldn't they couldn't do it um if, if they're running 5k already at the moment um but i think it you've got to build so you know it's not suddenly running gradually marathon tomorrow yeah. but um if you're running 5k now you can be running 10k in a month and you can be running a half marathon you know two months after and it's about just building that um consistency and and yeah getting out there and doing it yeah and it seems like the last few years, ultra running's just growing. More and more people are doing it. Clearly, they people now see it as more accessible. Why do you think it's becoming so popular? I think there's something about, and this is like trail running, ultra running, that really, I suppose, draws people in. I mean, I, I love road running as well and, and road marathons, but clearly the kind of being in nature is really um, sort of powerful and it's something that draws people in and i think also there's less an emphasis on speed in in certain respects and so i think that it 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 requires more of you in certain ways but maybe less of you in that way if that makes sense because you're thinking about often you're thinking about your navigation you're having to think about um the technical elements if there's a bit of sort of not like rock climbing but like scrambling um it's more varied maybe in terms of uphill kind of marching versus like downhill running and that in a sense like multi-dimensional element to it I think is really appealing because it means I, th I think it's more in a sense it makes it more accessible <laughs> because it's less like yeah 26.2 miles as fast as you can mm. and obviously that's mm. not whatever you know obviously marathon running is hugely connected with charity and all this other amazing stuff um and the support is incredible so i love um you know road marathons but i do think there's something about trail running that is an ultra running that is in a sense um more accessible in a funny sort of way i've i've done a couple of ultras and i always love the fact that you can walk up the uphills and it's just so it's so acceptable and people are like yeah i'm conserving energy you walk it's so, it's so sensible the i love it just getting to the finish rather yeah. than I've got to get this time, isn't it? Oh. I definitely think it takes people into kind of, I suppose, maybe states that are often, I did a thing called the Spine Race a couple of years ago, and the amount of stories you hear, like people like hallucinate, I don't know, all this quite extreme stuff, mm. which actually, like, in a sense, if life is quite unextreme in lots of ways, it's quite mm. exciting having something where you're right out on the edge of what you're capable of physically and you're more you're in these maybe more challenging environments i think people like quite a lot of people crave that and actually lots of 
whether it's Tough Mudder or there's lots of different things that are actually tapping into that same um, craving I think people people have and that we're slightly with mo- you know the way modern life is for lots of people maybe slightly shut off from and I think a lot of these type of adventures whether it's yeah Tough Mudder or like ultra running or mountain running they are speaking to people in that in the same way in a sense drawing people into a different something that they're lacking maybe in modern life Mm, and I suppose with ultra running the great thing is that you know it's not like you need to have loads of skills like maybe rock climbing or other activities mountaineering you've got to have so many skills ultra running you can just have a pair of trainers and start running you can start you can train in from London you can train wherever so it is really accessible in that place in in that kind of sense um but the spine race tell me about that because I'm I've heard bits about it but I actually don't know much about it apart from the fact it's brutal <laughs> spine race yeah I mean, the spine race is uh, I suppose the idea of the race is um it's it follows the Pennine Way so the Pennine Way is the longest um distance kind of footpath in England and designed as like a winter race so it happens along the Pennine Way in January and it's oh. kind of non-stop so a bit when I was saying run for love you come in each day you camp in the spine race you the clock never stops so you start and it's 268 miles um, oh. and so you you start and you can choose when to if and when to sleep and do some people not sleep at all we would normally have to sleep, but the people who win, so like Damien Hall or Jasmine Paris, these amazing runners, would might they might sleep, I don't know, four or five hours over ninety hours. I think the course record is ninety hours. Um, but it it's a very confronting race in some of the things. Cause you might be, I remember it's like two in the morning, and I was on the top of Pennygen, and it's you haven't slept for 40 hours and it's you know it's like a blizzard, and that's like, <laughs> you have all of these. Um, I suppose it's a lot of like surviving the hills um and it's quite a unique event in that respect how um, do you stay mentally strong in events like that to keep going and you know wanting to get to the finish still well, yeah i'd say like anyone could do the spine race but you probably unless you care enough you'll never finish the spine race yeah. and i think this is the same true for like run for loves or any you have to like have invested mentally and in a sense physically like committed to it otherwise there will be moments in it where it will become so hard that you will give up um, mm. and I think obviously that you know some people often get injured I think for the spine race probably about 60% of people finish um, I would think and I remember getting I mean I got really injured and I remember the day after I was in the hospital down the road and they were cutting out both my big toe toenails um because they got so kind of infected and it definitely will put you right on the edge um of what your of i suppose your comfort threshold um the the spine race and you hear all sorts of, of stories from it but people will get so tired as well that they're seeing i mean everyone talks about hallucin you know hallucinating on it and i remember seeing all this you just see kind of you think there were towns with like fair rides ahead and there's there's nothing there and oh all of the yeah, runners crazy. always talk about um talk about that and people would often just burst into tears you'd be people are so kind of worn down that, and so tired that um and there's such a culture as well on that and in i think we're running generally of kind of people supporting the runners so there's a guy who hikes up to the top of crossfell um 
which is the highest kind of peak on the race and with a sack of coal and he makes mess tins of noodles for all the runners there's another woman who in a village in the north um who makes cake for all the runners and he comes out stands there for 48 hours giving it out so there's all these like amazing um touch points and it's quite an emotional when you're really worn down people will just be like super emotional so you ask them a question yeah. and they'll just start <laughs> <laughs> get really emotional over yeah. the cake i can imagine you would do after all that running in the cold oh my god and no sleep yeah um and we definitely see that run for love as well you know people are really so kind of invested in it yeah and, uh, well it's such a massive achievement to do to take on that challenge and and to complete it that's mm. incredible after all these amazing adventures you've had and having you know, gone gone from a place where you're just running and fitting it in round work to literally making your your life and your job. Has your why changed at all for running throughout those years? I think for me, um, it's still about getting out into amazing places. It's about switch, you know, switch switching off in a sense. I mean, I still run every day and that is for my like half hour of like reset myself um but the longer runs i do are often now about bringing you know other runners together and it's for the kind of in a sense the tribe community and the tribe freedom foundation i'm really lucky to you know we're planning this amazing adventure in southern africa i'm so excited about it i can't to pinch myself that we're still able to kind of go on these but also there's a bigger mission or purpose to it now for us it's about can we bring together 80 amazing runners get them out there and through it can we have some really big impact through the through the charity so there's definitely it's quite like i suppose multifaceted for me now um mm, that's amazing and how much how much have you raised so far do you know the, so the tribe freedom tri- foundation yeah. it's about 1.6 million um wow. so far which mostly it's not you know it's not me in a sense it's all of the Incredible. runners who've taken part over the years and um and other fundraisers um yeah. uh, who've kind of come together for the for those causes so that's you know that's been been the community um, which is which is mega yeah that's that's an amazing achievement in itself yeah and so through all those achievements and all the adventures and setting up tribe kind of leads us on to the final question that we ask our guests which is what is your high five me moment so the moment that you would give yourself a high five (laughs) i felt like there'd been a lot I try to think. I mean, the amount of high fives always at the end. My favorite bit of Run for Love um, always is at the end of each day, uh, come into camp, obviously run, and then seeing all the runners come in and everyone like clapping everyone in and high high fiving them. And then it gets progressively, as it gets later, obviously the people who are coming in have had progressively harder days because that's just mm. how, how running is. And my favorite moments and moments like the end of some of the longest days in Sweden where there were two kind of father-daughter teams um who were running it together so a dad who'd be 50 60 and a daughter in in 20s and seeing them come in at the end of a really long day they might be on the trails for 16 17 hours it's dark and the emotion there and that um high-fiving them and they would be my kind of moments where I've seen that people push themselves so hard and come through and have such a sense of kind of euphoria through it it's really special to kind of to see that oh that's incredible and I mean I feel like I want to do one of these adventures now but how do people how how do you get involved with it and how do you get involved with the tribe community if people want to sign up well I mean there's 
yeah super super easy in a sense um the, the tribe website uh, but you know you come and get in touch with us on social media and instagram um or on the website we've got tons of events um lots of more local events as well or local to the to the uk um and just come along and come meet us you know it's a really friendly community of people and yeah have a chat with yeah. us and uh and, and come run Oh, I'd love to come along. <laughs> 100%. Thank you so much for joining us. Five miles easy. Thanks so much. It's Anne. been so good to chat. Well, thanks so much, guys. It's been uh, it's been great to chat. I'm really grateful for you having me on. Thanks for joining us for Five Miles Easy. And if you're loving the show, please remember to give us a rating on Spotify and Apple and subscribe on YouTube. See you next time.